Welcome to MicroCollege, a podcast exploring innovative, place-based, and humanly scaled responses to the crises in higher education, meaning, and discourse in our time. Everyone knows that colleges and universities are at a breaking point, but what can be done? I'm Jacob Hunt, the director of Thoreau College, a micro-college in Viroqua, Wisconsin. Join us each week as we tackle this question head-on. Welcome to Microcollege. Um, this week on the podcast, we are really excited to speak with a couple of folks speaking to us all the way from Sweden, um, from what I would consider one of the one of the oldest, most experienced um, members of this microcollege movement, or what we call the microcollege movement around the world. Um, we're speaking about the International Youth Emis- Initiative Program in Jörn Sweden. Sweden. Um, we're speaking with uh, today Reinhard Meyer, one of the co-founders, um, as well as Noam Hitch, one of the current participants in YIP15. This is a program that's going, been going on for 15 years. Welcome, Reinhard and Meyer and Noam. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure <laughs> to be on. Yeah. So today. Um, yeah, we, uh, Reinhardt is, is uh, originally from the Netherlands and has been involved with youth and education for many years. He's organized, facilitated, initiated, and founded a number of youth conferences, projects, and initiatives before co-founding the YIP program. He has a passion for human potential and development, for regenerative agriculture, food, culture, and lifestyles, and for the power of imagination put into action. Noam is was born in Germany and grew up in Austria and went to Waldorf School up to 10th grade. After that point, she decided to take her learning into her own hands and went to several different biodynamic farms and camp hills in the United States and in Europe to learn about agriculture and different forms of community. Agriculture in combination with the social realm and personal development has been instrumental teachers for her so far. So um, we're here today to talk about YIP and and what you've learned over the past 15 years, and also about the Social Initiatives Forum, which is an event coming up sometime later in in the month of February when we're speaking to you. Um, But before we get to that, um, here on the podcast, we always like to begin with people's biographies. So I'm wondering if each of you could share with us a bit about your your educational background, um, and specifically, maybe starting with you, Reinout, if you could reflect where you were personally uh, around 18 to 21 years old, as a young adult setting out. Where were you, who were you with, what were you doing, and what stands out as, as a, a big influence on you during that period? Hi, thank you, yes. Well, it's a while back, um, but um, I think I, I, my last years of high school were a little bumpy. Um, I was in and out of high school, and I was a sailor for a year, and um, then I did make it back and, and finished high school, um, after which my first journey took me to Brazil, um, and that was literally my first flight ever. I flew to Sao Paulo, and um, I went to a project there um, called Moncha Azul, um, which was a project working with uh, water education in um, areas that are very um, yeah, people lived in, in shacks, as they were called, I think. Um, anyway, in, in very primitive housing. Um, and it was headed up by Ute Kremer. Um, I think that was a very formative moment for me, um, seeing, or yeah, getting a much wider perspective on other ways of being in the world or having to be in the world. Um, and yeah, that had a lot of impact on me that, that, carried through 
I would say through my educational period that followed, um, I would say I'm pretty autodidactical in terms of how I approach and work. Um, but I went through um, a training into therapy through um, theater. That was something I wanted to work with, but then I realized that I would want to do that with children and if children already need therapy, then there was something else maybe wrong. So I ultimately, I went full circle and went back to education um, and did the teacher training, um, which I almost finished and then not because I decided that I was gonna set up um, a bunch of older schools in the original style of working together with large corporate entities that would finance uh, the education. Um, but I got stuck in other places and ended up in the youth section in Switzerland, which then was the precursor for the youth uh, program, if you like. Um, but at the age of 18, 19, 20 to 21, I moved around a lot. I think in Germany, I have these Wanderjahre, as they're called, mm-hmm. um, where you go from, yeah, to many places. So I, I, I've been moving across most of Europe, working on farms or in institutions or in different places. Um, collecting information and um, yeah, experiences, I would say, at that age. Fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities between other stories we've heard about this. Yeah, travel has is, is been so important for many people, um, mm. different exposure to different cultures, which is such a big part of YIP, as I understand. Yeah. Mm. Noam, you're in the middle of this journey. <laughs> You've shared a little bit about your you you kind of set out um, earlier than maybe most people. Um, but what what maybe you could could continue the story from from when you left school in tenth grade up until where you are now? Yeah, totally. Um, I stopped school in tenth grade because I really wanted to see more of the world. I really had an urge to doing things instead of sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> and I was lucky because I had great support of my parents. And yeah, then I went to Norway and worked on a biodynamic farm with many young people. And then <clears throat> I tried to find what, what next I could learn. And, and I decided I'll just take high school slower and more proper and do a full year of learning English properly. And so I applied to a Campo village in in the US and there again I did a lot of farming and living in community which was really nice yeah and then I came back and I started a job in Germany um, again on a farm (laughs) and I realized at some point that really I was looking for yeah that learning by doing is really great and but I was I started to see the privilege of going to school because it's so nice to, to like I was looking forward to, to sit in a math class again and have <laughs> something, present something already prepared for me and not needing to research everything on my own. So yeah, I was looking for something like HIP actually and, and, then, and then I found something like HIP <laughs> and I applied and, and it, so far it's been great for me yeah fantastic yeah no math (laughs) (laughs) someday (laughs) fantastic yeah so so right now you 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 talked um a little bit about the origins of yep um 
I understand that that uh, the origin story involves the the youth section at the Gutianum, um, kind of the the world center of the anthroposophical movement in Switzerland. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? What, what's the, the origins of this of this initiative in back uh, fifteen or how many years ago was it? I would say yeah, seventeen maybe. It was it brewed for a couple of years in in an international network of kind of youth activities within the larger aura of the anthroposophical movement, if you like. Um, in my role as a member of of the team at the youth section at the Gatianum, like you said, um, we organized a, a yearly a gathering that we called the initiative meeting at the time which brought together young people from around the world that were active within the anthropological movement or again, the larger kind of aura of it that was fairly informal. They weren't necessarily members or anything like that. They were just, they had an interest and they were engaged in either conferences or other ways. Um, and it's kind of surfaced in that group of people, this idea of yeah, we ran into difficulties. A lot of young people felt that they they are kind of restricted by the learning processes because you can't act in the real world yet because you're kind of on dry land figuring it out and you're not allowed into the real arena yet. On the one hand, and on the other hand, and if you just get a job, then, then your education seems to cease if you're not careful. And mm -hmm. so how can you combine a level of learning with a level of doing and how can you already do while still also learning, sort of? And a bit of an urge that, um, yeah, the Gandhi quote came up a lot of like, how can you be the change you see needed in the world? Um, which is also like a, a level of embodiment of what you're learning and talking about. Um, and not just, you know, being again on dry land or in a practice um, studio for 10 years before you're allowed into actually making the difference. Um, and that had different forms. There was someone from the U.S. that talked about the Jubilee year, which would have been more for like a year after Waldorf school. Um, there were other ideas floating around. Um, and then it became very concrete at some point um, when I was able to, to call a meeting about that. So one of these meetings each afternoon we spent on actually designing such a program, which also meant that the, the idea, which didn't have a name yet, at that point, at some point, it was called the Youth Imagineering Program, which was dubbed too dorky, so we changed it again, but I still think it's a brilliant name anyway. <laughs> um, um, yeah, we it was already then with, I think, 29 different nationalities in the room that were part of the designing, but it's immediately a very international um, character and outreach um, which was, I think, very helpful, and I see as being very important um, element of it is that it's um, you know we don't want to try and talk for the South Africans or for the Australians or something like that if we're not ourselves from those places, but rather we have to have people from all walks of life and all continents present in each year's group so that they can speak for themselves and that you get the, the mingling of the world in in each group as well and the perspectives. Um, yeah, that's a little bit the relation to the to the youth section there. Um, uh -huh. There's more philosophical aspects, if you like, but um, maybe they come later. Yeah, I, I wanted to um, to ask about the name that that you settled on, Youth Initiative. Um, 
program. This is for our local audience here in Verroca, Wisconsin. Um, this will be a little bit confusing <laughs> because um, the, the, our local Waldorf-inspired high school, which I was involved with starting as a student and I've been a teacher at, is called the Youth Initiative High School. And uh, we even had a couple of our Youth Initiative High School students attend the YIP program. So um, mm -hmm. local audiences will, will need to know that this is, um, this is a synchronicity. This is a shared, it's just, there's not a, a formal relationship, but there is a kindred spirit, I think, here. Um, so I wanted to, to ask what you, what that term, youth initiative, and the word initiative comes up a lot in your materials. What is that, what's that about? What is that, what's that pointing towards? Yeah, I think for me, initiative is ideally an act of free will um, of an individual, but in service of the collective. Um, and so it's a really tricky one because it's a little bit like if you go to a party and you're not feeling it and someone comes up to you and says, come on, do something spontaneous. Um, and then you're stuck because <laughs> if you now do something, is it because someone told you something or are you actually being spontaneous? And so in someone pushing you, you're already, you lost it. Um, and that's a little bit the feeling I have with the initiative as well. Another image that I have that I adopt from Elizabeth Rushing, a dear colleague. If you see a small child that, you, that is growing up and it's just about to learn how to walk, so they stand at the chair or the leg and it's all wobbly and so forth, um, and then you know it's gonna, you know, it's gonna fall. Um, um, but then this kind of, I call it active waiting. So how can you be hyper attentive, maybe attend to the terrain, but you can't help because if you do, you steal the moment. Um, so there's there's somewhere, um, uh, yeah, a tricky bit of, of an initiative that it can't be demanded or required. Um, but I do think there are circumstances, uh, rhythms, um, um, diversity, all kinds of things to do with terrain and 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 everything around the learner that can be conducive to someone finding um, a question that they carry strong enough to actually start to act upon. Um, and so for me, initiative is that something that someone brings into this world um, that, they, that they first need to have enough space for to maybe discover, and then hopefully have a conducive enough, if that's the word even, but a, a supportive environment or terrain that that might start to actually start to manifest or that they dare to believe it um, enough. It's a bit the, the role of, of Morpheus in the, towards Neo, you know, yeah. you have to believe in it. <laughs> strong enough that they can start to believe in it, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. In 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 going through your website again in preparation for this, I came across the word, the neologism that I'm I'm trying out and uh, I may enter my vocabulary regularly, which is the the concept of free responsibility, freedom and responsibility as being poles and and uh, but also bringing them together in a way as part of what you're trying to do. What is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those two are married to an extent, ideally. Um, like freedom without the responsibility, so just do what the hell you like, um, can be actually very destructive and can be very solitary. And I don't think in an interconnected world in which everything influences everything, um, um, that that gets us very far. So I think real freedom is, is, is 
you can act in this kind of level of where this initiative comes from, um, but that that act be still in relation to the collective and therefore stay in, yeah, stay responsible. I think responsibility in that connection you could also replace with, with relation. Um, sure. I always really like how Orland Bishop puts it, I don't, he's been a contributor at years many years. So his maxine or his, his mantra is often, how do I have to be for you to be free? Um, and that is a, a relational question yeah. and that is both to do with me, who am I and who am I really? Um, but also how do I, how are you and what do you need to be to be really? And can there be a relation? And I think often that question is easily solved within humans, but I think the you, you could also replace with other living beings. So how would I have to be for an other being to be the maximum of their sovereign expression and um, whilst at the same time be in service of, of the collective. And then I think you're looking at regenerative agriculture or something like that, where mm -hmm. the farmer all of a sudden becomes a conductor of an orchestra of other organisms that can express themselves species specific, but in context. So I think, yeah, for me, it's a lot to do with, with, with freedom and relation or freedom and responsibility. Those two are sort of similar. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a lot to work with there. Yeah. Um, turning to you, Nom, I'm, I'm wondering, so you've been there, um, you've been at the up since um, August, and I'm wondering if you could, could talk a little bit about um, who who are the other members of your, your cohort, where are they from, and, and are there some themes of what bring people to, to participate in, in this program? Hmm. Interesting question. <laughs> um, so where are we from? I think 60 nationalities mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, from New Zealand, South Korea, Argentina, Spain, Germany, Belgium, all over. <laughs> and and I think for many people, well, we have a few people I think who who come who came after high school, um, to to have a new point of view, I guess. And and then, oh, I'm struggling with this question. I don't really know. <laughs> I think for me, I can say um, that, yeah, I think the self-responsible learning for me has been a big thing. And I think to learn how to learn self-responsible um, is very important growing up and and I noticed that a lot and yeah I think here and yet there's so much support somehow um, where you don't where you feel like it's not like school where they teach you something but it's more you get supported in your self-responsible learning mm -hmm. yeah so the context there is that Reinhardt is describing seems really important. The place where where that, those discoveries can be made. And <clears throat> can, can can you talk about the the actual physical location here? So this um, Yip doesn't happen in just one place, but it's got a strong home base there in in Yitterjärna in in Sweden. Can you describe that that place and and also where else do do students go in the course of the program? Yeah. So we we live 
here in a, in a house close to the shore. Really beautiful. <laughs> and we have another building where we have the courses and lectures. And then, yeah, sometimes we have courses where we visit other places like a farm or a workshop. Um, yeah, and then we have also coming soon in March um, internships where people, where all of us actually are going to different learning placements around the world to, yeah, to experience how life works at a different part of the world at the same time, basically, and where people also took initiative towards change, positive change, I guess. And um, yeah, and some people are going to Nazdanya, to India, and some are going to South Africa, and to Nepal even. I'm going to Vilnius, to a movement school. Yeah, very, very diverse. Yeah, all over <laughs> the world. And then, and then people come back for the last portion there in, in Sweden. Right, yes. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, can you can you talk about you know this the 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 months leading up to those um, to the internships? Um, what sorts of things have have you been doing this year? I know you have a lot of guest speakers, guest guest instructors. Um, but what are there? What's what's maybe what is a day to day life like? And then and what are some of the topics you've been exploring this year? Yes. So we we started off with a global realities block, and we had really nice lectures about all different things where we mostly looked outside so our, well yeah like into the world and and we had courses about economy and ecology and um governance and activism and what else do we have yeah how to be human in a technological age and then after that we had a blog about inner awareness where we looked at each other's biographies and we did also a lot of creative things like clay work and portrait painting and storytelling which was really nice also because it's somehow with the weather here in Sweden it becomes quite dark in fall and mm -hmm. winter <laughs> so to look inside is really makes sense <laughs> yeah so um, I'm wondering if, if, if both of you or either of you could talk about, you know, how, how you support, you've got this very international, you know, people, a lot of different cultures and backgrounds coming together to really live together. They cook together. They're, you know, they're, you know, they're having to, to share their lives in a very active way. How does, how does the program support people in doing that? I mean, communication skills, conflict resolution, just setting up routines. How, is, how does that work? Yeah, I think we have a, quite a lot of care structures um, from from the program side, so as organizers, um, a, a normal day runs from seven to seven. So it, we have long days, it's a lifestyle, it's not necessarily a, a nine to five job in that sense. Um, and our day starts at what we call um, service hour. So that's everybody engaged with some kind of community service, be it cleaning or cooking or setting up breakfast or any of that. Then, Practices from um, from eight or half yeah eight to to quarter to nine ish, and then at quarter to nine we sing 
all together and we have so-called round of announcements so we look around the circle and see what does to be known what needs to be known today um, and that's also for the group already a first moment where some things can be caught um, if they are happening um, but for the team we meet at um, 7 30 every morning and we go over the day and we see what's going on are there any things that need extra attention or attending to and so we have a finger on the pulse quite closely i would say on a daily basis and um, which helps catch anything that needs catching um and then in the in the flow of the week we have what we call um check-in groups so the the whole group of students is divided over this time for uh, co-workers so that's four smaller groups um and that's much more about how are you doing, what's going on in your life, what was this week like, what have you learned, what have you not. So this is a little family kind of circle, if you like, stays the same group throughout the year. Also somewhat of confidential space, it's hosted. Um, the hosting is shared, so it goes around, but there's usually a talking piece and it's a, it's, it's a little structured in that way and it has a, has a care function. And then on the Friday, we have something that we call the community meeting. Um, which is with everybody. So that's, that's students and staff together. Um, um, and that's similar than the check-in, but on a larger scale. And it's different in that not everybody is so confident in speaking in front of large groups, especially if it's concerning, you know, personal issues or, or things that they're struggling with. Um, but that is another circle that has a practical aspect of kind of looking at who's coming next week, what do we need to prepare, who's on breakfast next week, you know, those kind of logistical things. Um, but also invitations and, and reminders of concerts that are going on or buskings that are being planned or parties, whatever. Um, and then um, there's what we call an open space, which tends to be between a half an hour to an hour um, that is really set aside for anything that is alive in the community to be able to be shared or, or, or be present with. So that's again, it's a bit of a hosted space um, where, yeah, I, I often say like, you know, if I, I invite that the space is a little different than you and me walking to the bus stop. That can also be a good conversation, but it can be a bit kind of easygoing and it's a bit more intentional space that it's not religious in that sense or, or anything like that, but it is intentionally set aside from other chit chats that we might have. Um, so that's another one. And then and a last aspect, and then you will have to chime in if I'm, if I'm telling nonsense, but um, one of our team members is a biographical counselor, also trained as a psychologist, um, which can also really help people that are struggling um, for some, yeah, um, conversations, um, yeah, and I think that's a little bit where the limits are as well. Um, we're not a therapeutic program, and we don't claim to be, uh, but we do invite the whole human being, and those, we tend to have light and darker sides in ourselves, mm -hmm. and so we will assist definitely people to find support if they need it. Um, but there are, those are some of the support structures that are definitely helping. Yeah, and I think it comes through maybe, but. Yeah, we live and learn together. So it's, uh, you know, we share all meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of relation building going on without that necessarily needing extra time and attention, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. And you live there on campus with your family, right now? Yes. Yeah. 
all in. <laughs> Noam, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's it can be intense. <laughs> it is quite full. Yeah. I think um you if you come to Yip you really need to be ready for many people all the time. But that's that's also really fun. That's the fun of it basically, but it can also be really exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, uh, here at our, our program, Thrill College, um, that has actually been one of the, the tightrope lines to, to walk. And we definitely have, you know, a number of our students are self-identified introverts or people who are, you know, inspired by the idea of Henry David Thoreau seeking solitude. So um, is there, are there ways for people to, to have experiences of solitude there if they, they have enough of the people for a little while? Yeah, within the facilities, quite limited, I would say. Because um, often people share rooms, so that's that's another layer of it. But we are situated in a very rural community, um, very beautiful, with a very pristine forest around, especially within the Sweden context. So everybody thinks, wow, Sweden is full of forests. No, it's not. It's full of tree plantations. Yeah. Um, they're all the same trees and the same age, and they're nicely lined up so that you can cut them in 35 years from now. Um, and the forest around here is still quite wild and, and, and so I think for those people that seek that, that's a, that, that is a possibility, but it is limited, I think, right? Yeah. It tends to be now that it's dark and cold yeah. and you need to stay inside, <laughs> it, gets, it gets tight. Yeah. But I think also that's like where you learn or that's where, or for me at least, like really being mindful of, of the time and, and when you do what and, and also checking in with yourself like when you really need to step out because usually in life somehow I I experience that that you really need to make an effort well in comparison to you <laughs> and to meet people and to, to you know meet somebody because usually you live in a house somewhere <laughs> and and here it's just you need to make an effort to, to not see people, but just just very different mm-hmm. <laughs> the experience. Yeah. So before we get too too much farther here, I'd love to have you um, talk a little bit about the social in- initiative forum. Um, this is an integral part of the of the year um, of the ten month long program, and, um, and it's coming up pretty soon. Could you yeah? Could you introduce introduce us to this event and, and talk a bit about it and, and and how does it fit in and yeah, what is it like? Yes. Yeah. Um, we've been working on this since, well, September, basically. Um, yeah, and I think it touches a lot, actually, when I was listening to Reinhardt before, upon this relating and connection theme. So we, we sat together in the beginning of the year, all of us participants, and we tried to decide on a topic and coming from 40 opinions to one, and and I think a common theme for all of us was the struggle of disconnect in the world, where we noticed that in in some well, basically in everything there is a yeah a struggle of disconnection and maybe even loneliness or getting out of hand in some yeah in some direction. And we could see it in, in very much in the in the social realm, in the natural world, and also within ourselves. And yeah, to 
for example, like industrial farming and, and the loss of biodiversity or an increase of mental illnesses and also in education, you can see that too, I think. Um, yeah, so we, we want to address that. So we, we tried to come up with a name called the Spark to Flame Forum because we think that if many sparks come together, there can be a big flame um, that, you know, that is a symbol for connection. <laughs> and I think our subtitle is reigniting the connection to each other, self and nature. Yeah, and so we, we don't necessarily have the answer because it's tricky to have the answer, but we want to figure out or hold this question together with the participants who come, hopefully many. <laughs> and yeah, so we have, it goes over five days, I think. Um, and we have like three main lectures to each topic. Um, first, we're gonna hear about um, a course about the the social realm, which is um, the title is "Why Can't We Be Human by Ourselves?" Um, Janis Kralli is going to come from from Germany, and he's going to talk about um, yeah the human experience and the connection between the self and the other, and and how how that plays into all of that. I'm really excited for that course, actually. <laughs> and yeah, and then we'll have the self day where Annie Maya will t do all the course on biography work and how to connect to yourself within today's world. And on the third day, we will look at nature with Linda Coster. Is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. She, she noticed um, um, that many people have a longing to belong and often people turn to the natural world to to look there <laughs> and yeah she wants to hold a course on that and then we'll have many workshops and campfires and walks and night cafes and open mics yeah parties <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So this is this is essentially a youth conference. Um and who who yeah. who besides the the current yippies who who will be there? Who what sort of people come? Yeah, we hope anyone who wants to come. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The tickets are open to anyone. Yes. Is there any way that a person could participate remotely this year? Has not been the planning thus far. Um, the, I think the consensus was to try and go for in-person yeah. uh, connection rather than digital ones. Um, but it's, it's interesting because you, your question has come up from others as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes a topic. Um, but for now, it's, it's an in-person event um, that mm -hmm. is taking place. It will be on the same campus here in Utrecht now. Yeah. Great. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and this this is something that's been going on for a number of years, correct, Renaud? Yeah, it also it serves a number of purposes. Um, I think, yeah, there is, it has had a little bit of an effect of a return event, so it's been sometimes for alumni to come back, and, mm. and we've done a forum also because it often has a, a 
platform for people to present some of their starting projects or the things that they are starting to work with after you. And so it, it has a little bit of an element of keeping the network connected. Um, that obviously has had a disruption as uh, all of us had been locked into rooms and houses. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see how that restarts. Um, and it has often attracted young people in general that are looking for initiatives and are wanting to engage somewhere in the world, um, as well as initiatives that are looking for young people that way around as well sometimes that would come and have presentation and possibility to, to find people. And then I think the event itself is, yeah, it's in my own experience working at the time for the youth section and those days, if you organize a conference from A to Z, so that's including everything, then you sort of go through all the stages that it would take to start a, a business <laughs> or set up a school or to start a library or, you know, it's a, you, you sort of go through all the stages and especially if you do that together with a large group, the amount of group dynamics that play into that as well is quite significant. Um, so it's, it's been a really wonderful tool, I think, to put all the learning into practice. I'm not a great fan of staying with hypothetical learned topics, that's nice, but um, that's not really embodied yet, where um, I think it's a really nice chance to actually take something from an idea state all the way into its manifestation. Um, which is a, yeah, just very helpful to have done once. And I think quite empowering to see, oh, wow, actually, you know, this thing that didn't exist at all, that was just, I call it a brain fart, excuse my French, um, at the beginning of the program, it now actually happened. And that's great. Um, and I think that's an empowering experience. Um, yeah, so that's also this last block. You mentioned the first block is kind of looking at the burning fires in the world. The second block is more like, what are the building sites in myself? And the third block really sits around, okay, if we want to act in this world, it's very likely you're going to have to do that together with others. So how do you live and work and achieve regardless of your differences and all those things? So this, we call it community and collaboration. That's this block that we're in now. And that culminates in the initiative forum. So the initiative forum is sort of the the end result, if you like, or I would like to say more the, the celebration um, of of those efforts made in the in the month leading up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great manifestation of this idea of initiative, right? From from a, also on your website, you talk about you know idea to manifestation, and it's uh, certainly something I believe in as well. We try to do here in many different ways at Thoreau yeah. College. <clears throat> Yeah, I think you know we you we talked a bit earlier on about about anthroposophy, and I, I certainly look to to Yip um, personally as a as a model as a pioneer in this field of thinking about what what does you know the these insights coming out of anthroposophy uh, bring to organizing education for for young adults. Um, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about this. I mean, students, you, you the age range you give um, is 18 to 28, so a pretty big age range there. And we certainly see interest here from students across that age range. Um, what what uniquely do people in that phase of life? Um, how how what can we bring that that best to best serve people in that age? Yeah. Um... I, I see a bit of a fractal situation there where, um, yeah, if you, if up 
until 21 years of age, roughly, is my understanding, um, and that is said by the school of, of thought uh, as given by Steiner and anthropology. I would say you're still building your instrument, and egotism is necessary and healthy. And you need to be self-centered and self-focused. Um, and I compare it often to if you learn how to ride a bike, um, then and that might have a motivation of why you start that, and that looks really nice, or that looks really efficient, or something like that. There is a period where you have to practice, and in that period, the whole point of what you're doing is the doing. Um, so you can't focus on other areas. You just need to be doing what you're doing until that becomes a skill. And so what happens then? There's a transition from something that was an aim to becoming a means or a tool. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's a crossover point, which is subtle, and you might not notice, and at some point we're just doing it, and it becomes second or first nature, and we're just running. Um, but I think in personal development, something similar is ongoing. Like, to, be, to do the me, 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 is very good and important to achieve it. Um, but then there comes a point of asking, oh, okay, now, now I'm not me, and okay, I sort of know what I'm capable of, some of my skills, I'm somewhat mature. And then comes the question of this, what is it going to be in service of? Um, and I think if you look at our society, especially all in the professional world, I would say the last 500 years we have done a lot of specialization, which is a similar trend as this me, 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 me. Um, it's very narrow, and it means a specialization in a nutshell is knowing more about less. So that's nice. But it's pointless if it's not contextualized. Right. So when I break through to the other side and, and measure how is this highly specialized something actually serving the collective, and is it? Maybe it's not. And maybe actually it needs to redirect, or maybe what people are finding out in, you know, the cell structures of the early stages of an embryo um, that seem to have to do with resilience. Maybe that's the structure we should use for our financial system rather than to investigate it even further. Um, anyway, I think there's, mm -hmm. there needs to be some cross-pollination or some places that that larger context is really, really important. Um, and then again, if you go back to young people, I think I feel felt stuffed back when I was younger, and I still feel, maybe I'll grow up one day, but anyway. Um, <laughs> There's a, a really an issue of choice because you can do a million things in in many places, and that that backfires because the feeling that I think people get. So I could do a million things, but I need to choose one. So if I choose one, I'm saying just under a million times no. Because I'm not going to do all those things now because I've chosen one. Doesn't feel very great. It's quite a negative experience to yeah. me. Unless, I think, it is possible to do that kind of zooming out. How can we create large enough perspectives in which it all of a sudden you can start to see patterns and say, oh, wow, maybe this is an area that actually we as a collective need to further develop and move with. And it's actually fitting even with how I feel and am in this world. Um, and that is not at the stage yet that because if, if you have decided that you want to bake bread, that's easy. You find a baker and they can tell you and it doesn't make sense to put the water in first. You first put something else and then, and you know, there's an order in doing things and that makes sense. And then you can learn it really quickly. Um, but before you 
figured out that it is that you want to be a baker, I think that's the stage at which there's very little. Um, and where I would say it helps to create spaces that are undefined by this stage, that are almost the opposite of a specialization, that are a generalization yeah. from which an orientation can take place, um, that's then up for these people. And I'll say my last thing, and then I'm, I attempt to launch into long runs, so you have to stop <laughs> me. But, um, I, th I think the the future for me always, or yeah, comes from young people, and and the, that comes from the future towards us. We're not heading that way, but it's also coming this way, sort of. Yeah. And so, if we want to be outside of the box, then you have to not even have one. Um, then, so if you if you can just create a space in which things can be, and where also especially young people can can be and, and sit with their questions, I think that is much, much more productive. And yeah, I think if you take our media, if, if you have a real question and someone gives a plausible answer, you might settle for it and then you're back to sleep again. So and there's also something for a questioning culture that is allowed to be and to stay alive and open and unanswered, because then I think you're much more active in, in your search. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, but that's, <laughs> I think these, these spaces in which it's possible for young people at an age of having to make this sort of transition from being, yeah, seeking to be in service of something, um, yeah, those are crucial and, and need large perspectives, in, in, is my, my view. I hope that made sense. That made a tremendous amount of sense. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll definitely want to go listen to that again. I'm glad it's a, we recorded it. <laughs> Do you want to add anything to that to that gnome from what you've experienced there? Um, it's, it strikes me that you you've you've done something that's um, familiar to from a number of the students who've come here who've you know they've sensed something was missing in their education or they were they had an urge to get out into the world and do things and they struck out on their own and they they did a lot of things but they did also long for a context for for a community for for a place for for this sort of thinking that that Rideout is describing to happen. Does that does that ring true for you? Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm feeling really grateful to be in a place where I can really I hold these questions because sometimes I feel that those questions can be they can stretch me a lot and then and then I always feel like I need an answer now and, and there is no answer really and then yeah, to get a context and to also do other things and hear about other things where it can always come back to it if it needs to come back to the question and and somehow they answer themselves if you stop wanting to answer the question. And I I noticed that a lot in Yip. Also having the support to hold those questions and not being alone in that is yeah, so special for me. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Um, yeah, I guess um, my last question. I mean, right now, as a, as a person who is, you, you've been active on on a very specific location there, but also on a on a on a continental and a global level in education and and movements of this kind. I'm, I'm wondering if you, from your experience of of you know of a number of years now, have a perspective on where where does this work go um, into the future. 
Um, is there is there should there be more yips? Is there a way that they can collaborate? Is there a way that um, you know is there is there a new youth movement of some kind that's being formed out of this type of education that you see? Hmm. Well, I, I would hope that there are, um, that there can be a multitude of these sort of spaces. Um, and I'm, I'm not a fan of franchises or, or growth in, in that sort of sense. I think um, if, I, if I look into the natural world, then, um, yeah, I think I see many small things um, or, or there, yeah, there's a, there's a size to things. So I think um, I think there will be more of those places. Um, one trend that I'm seeing, and it's gone to sleep a little bit, but I think it will come back again also, is, is also for um, ways of people for this next phase, once they actually want to go out and, and start um, their learning, because now they decided to be a baker, for instance. Mm-hmm. What I've seen a lot is that they then wish to cluster, so they live together um, in shared housing whilst pursuing their individual tracks of either um, academic education or or practical learning or these kind of things. So I see a little bit of a trend there of clusters of learners um, in their own ways that, that seek this element of community and peer mirroring and co-accountability sort of situations without being on the same tram, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wonder if that if that will be something growing as well, um, that there will be more of those situations and there maybe we have a role as, as some of the people hosting these, these places <clears throat> to try and create um, circumstances in which these people can meet each other because I think yeah so that maybe there needs to be some level of networking um, although I'm, I'm not a fan again of well sometimes we, we get asked you know so then the, the result of what we're asked for would basically mean that their logo would be on our website and and uh, our logo on theirs but there's not actually anything that we do together and then, so I think that that's a little pointless um, I think it's it's great if it is uh, if it manifests out of events. Um, there's an interesting network that I can mention to you. It's called the Ecoversity. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's that's growing. It's very different in scale, um, but quite similar in 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 some intention at least. Um, and they're they're having yearly gatherings, sometimes twice a year, um, which is a little bit of that sort of a, a, a initial networking, and then you have to see what grows from it. Um, yeah. yeah, but again, I think back to this initiative, I think if you're already expecting it in a particular form or something like that, then, then I'm not sure that it will fly. I think it really needs to come from, from the people. And, yeah. Yeah, the um, people in the place in the moment in time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I bring this up because definitely you know, this podcast is is part of a project also to to spread awareness of initiatives like like Yip and 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 similar projects. Um, and also because um, you know, also on our on our website, I have gone. We're trying to, to to list as many you know um, inspiring programs as that as we can find. And um, it does it does feel very much like a an emergent phenomenon in the world. Um, I just spoke yesterday with a 
um, a man in in Japan who started a, an initiative that that sounds very similar <laughs> in many ways, with many of the similar kind of values and goals. Um, and uh, and that that's to me is very exciting. It is um, interesting for a young person to to have that kind of landscape around the world to to be able to explore. That's great. Yeah. Well, so I want to thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. Um, uh, before we go here, I wonder if you could state, um, first of all, if, if a person you know, is able to, to get to, to Sweden and um, to Yarna and would like to participate in the Social Initiative Forum, um, we'll have this, um, this, out, this interview out today. And if you could just say, how, how uh, would a person um, sign up to come to that? Yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the dates are the February 26th? Is that when it starts? Yes, on February 26th to March 2nd. And while we have a website, it's initiativeform.se, I think. And yes, and there is all the information to be found. There's tickets available and the program is out. Very exciting. It's a five-day yeah. program of events. Right. Yeah. And we are also on any social media account. Very active these days. Yes. So initiative forum, one word, dot yes, dot se. Yeah. And also, could you say, you know, if a person hears this and is, is excited about um, becoming a, a yippie um, for the next cycle, um, how, do, how do they apply and, and what's, the, what's the time frame for that? Yeah, so you can go to also the website, which is uh, yip.se, so yip.se, um, and there's a button there with yip16, that is the next year. Um, you are asked then to fill in a little form, which will trigger an email, which then gives you the real homework of, of signing up. Um, yeah, we're, we're not playing something divine that decides it for you, but we do want you to consider it well. So there's quite a few questions that are there and considerations that are more, again, not for us to claim any divinity over your destiny, but rather for you to really ponder whether this is a good idea and really what you want. Um, and that, so there is a process there, and then there will be a, the final stage is a, is a little interview, usually on this kind of a platform on Zoom or something like it. Um, yeah, to see if we have what you're looking for and whether yeah we we feel that, that we can work together well. Um, and then I think the first acceptance deadline is the end of March, um, and then the last one is somewhere in June. I don't have it at the top of my head now, but there are two points for intake um, where where all those interviews will be will be had, and we have 40 places. Um, that we that we can offer. Um, if people turn up in the drones, then maybe we have to, you know, take over a station in Detroit or something like that. For, you know, <laughs> for now, it, that's our capacity here. Franchise. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you for all that information. Thank you for your leadership and your your vision and um, and thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank you, and thank you for uh, your work and yeah, connecting the dots in this field. It's really nice. Um, yeah, thank you for this opportunity as well. It's really nice. Great.